We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Apostolic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. 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 Good morning, Crosspoint Church, friends of Crosspoint. I'm excited today for two reasons. And one, as you heard announced just uh, moments ago, we're going to be planned next Sunday, March 14th, to have in-person services again. Uh, it'll be so good to see you here uh, in the building, so many of you that will come back. My wife said to me, I left the house this morning, see you at 10.30, and I, my initial response was to think, uh, yes, I'll see you then. Well, she would see me, but I wouldn't be able to see her. So I'm excited about that. And the other thing I'm excited about is this opportunity that we have to explore, discover, rediscover what we believe. And uh, based on the ancient creed, as you just heard Pastor Ben speak about. I believe in God. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Shirley MacLaine is an Oscar-winning actress with Canadian roots. Her mom was raised in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. She's also been a dancer and a novelist, and as an author, she is well known for her spiritual beliefs. One of her books written over 20 years ago was a best-selling memoir, and the title of that book was Out on a Limb. In that book, she tells us, not that I am God, but that we are God, and that all is God that we're all part of a cosmic oneness. And if we don't feel that we're God, then that's simply because we're ignorant. And the only way we can banish our ignorance and to discover our godness is by enlightenment that will come through meditation. Now, I supposed if you were to ask Shirley MacLaine today, do you believe in God? She may well respond with an emphatic yes. She would have no difficulty uh, with, with the first four words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God. But what God? What kind of God? For some people today, their God is they believe in our God, but it's their own God. It's, it's a rather weak God. For many, it's a God who is conveniently absent when they 
when they are, want to do something they think is wrong, but he's near at hand when they need him. So what do we mean when we say that first statement of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Well, let's take that first statement and take it a few words at a time, beginning with those first four words, I believe in God. The New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 reads this way, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now let's lift out now just that phrase, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Now as I reflect on that verse, there's quite a gap between believing that God exists and believing that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So let's begin with what I'm calling entry-level belief. I believe that God exists. How does one come to believe that God exists? Well, our critics would be inclined to say, well, you, you, those of you who believe, you believe God exists because the Bible says he does. Well, yes and no. There are reasons to believe in God before you ever pick up a Bible. One can come to believe in the existence of God through reason. One can think their way to believing in the existence of God. Let me share just briefly now four of those reasons. Some refer to these as the four arguments. Now forgive my own homemade labels for these four arguments. Here are the four. Here they are. The first is what I'm calling the God awareness argument. And it goes like this. Every man, every tribe, every nation since the beginning of time has conceived of a God. Has had a conception that there is a God. Therefore, therefore the reasoning goes there must be a reality behind this, behind this universal human idea. That's one argument from reason. Here's the second. The second argument is the cause and effect argument. And this argument insists that the things that we see happen must have a reason for happening. They're saying that every effect has a cause. I leave the building at the end of the service today. And out of, as I go outdoors, out of the corner of my eye, I see a snowball headed towards my head, and I have two reactions. Number one, I duck, and number two, I look to see who threw it. I look for a cause. Logic will not let me assume that a bunch of snowflakes got together and attacked me. And, and no, I assume there must be a cause. And so this thinking just says, and then we begin to think, is there a, a first cause, an original causer, a God, for all the effects we see around us. Here's the third argument, and it goes like this. It's simply the design argument. 
this one really resonates with me personally. Voltaire, the French philosophy philosopher from 300 years ago, said it best. Here's what he said. If a watch proves the existence of a watchmaker, but the universe does not prove the existence of a great architect, then I consent to be called a fool. The logic is simple. If a watch cannot create itself, it's reasonable. It's nonsensical to suggest that the universe could. And here's the fourth argument. It's called the moral argument. And it goes like this. Man has a sense of morality. He has an inborn sense of fair and unfair, of ought and ought not, of should and should not. It wasn't, it's, it's deeper than what is taught to us. It's affirmed by parents and school and church, but it's there and has been there in every culture, in every time in history. It's inside of us. Where did it come from? And the moral argument says there is a source of morality, there is a source of justice, and a sense of righteousness, and that source we call God. So, my point in this brief logic lesson is simply this. Reason alone can lead one to affirm the first four words of the, of the creed, which simply says, I believe in God. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church at Rome, says this, agrees with this. He says about reason, about logic, common sense. Here's what he writes, Romans 1.19, they know the truth, meaning people out there, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Paul is, is saying they can reason it out that there is a God. Now, even if you agree with these four logical arguments or any one of the four, you can say, you can say then, I believe in God, but, that, but you don't necessarily end up with the God of the Bible. So we need more than reason. We also need revelation. Reason starts us out, but revelation picks us up and fills in the gaps. And revelation comes primarily through the Bible. God reveals himself. Scripture the Bible is nothing more than an infinite God revealing himself to finite people. I love the way Stuart Briscoe puts it. He says, Scripture is God pouring his oceanness into our thimbleness. Isn't that good? And it begins with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 in the beginning. God. Well, let's expand now. Let's go on. In the beginning, I believe in God. Now let's continue. I believe in God, the Father. Now, once when we say those next words, the Father, that gives us the sense that He is close, that He is caring, that He's intimate, and that we can know Him personally. 
in the Old Testament, there are just a few references to God as Father. But when you come to the New Testament, in the Gospel of John alone, there are over 100 references to God as Father. And you know, Jesus used an interesting word for Father. In the Aramaic, which is the language of Jesus' day, the word is Abba. We have an English equivalent for Abba today. Many of us used it for, and some still do today, of their earthly father. It's the word daddy. Abba is deeply intimate. It's a wonderful personal word to describe God. And Jesus himself told us to use that word when we pray our father who is in heaven. Jesus urged us to pray our Father to realize that the Father's loving care, his intimate interest, his concern. So when we say, I believe in God, the Father, we're affirming not just that we are his creation, we all are, but we are affirming that we are, have been adopted into our, his family and we are his children if indeed we have been adopted. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. God the Father, our Father, my Father. Now before I leave this wonderful comforting truth, God the Father, I need to mention that there are those for whom God the Father is not a wonderful, comforting truth. There are some of you watching today, in your childhood, you had some very difficult experiences with your earthly father, and you may be listening to my voice and thinking, if God the Father is anything like my father, I don't want anything to do with him. Maybe this is a major problem for some of you. It's hard for you to reconcile your experience with your own father, with Father God, who is loving and kind and tender and caring. In your case, in your case, God the Father is everything that your father was not. Let's go on. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Jesus, this gives us a sense of God's ability. The Old Testament book of Job, that word almighty is used repeatedly to describe God. And also in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, God the Father almighty. In Psalm 91, we read these words. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. I believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Back in the year 1956, five young men decided that they were going to reach out to a primitive tribe of natives in Ecuador uh, and these natives had never seen a white man. They had, so these 
five men had done all the survey work. They had made the initial contacts. And they were going to fly a light plane uh, into the jungle and land on the only place available to them, which would be a narrow strip of sand on the edge of a river. Nate Saint, the pilot, said, if it's soft, our wheels will give in and we'll finish up on our nose or on our back with a broken plane and no way out. They knew that these, they knew that these natives were warlike. They knew that their lives were in deep jeopardy. The night before they embarked on their attempt to reach these people, they met together and sang, We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. The hymn based on Psalm 91. They read Psalm 91, talking about resting in the shadow of the Almighty. The next morning, they flew out. Soon radio contact was lost with them. And a few days later, their bodies were found filled with spears floating in the river. Every one of them, each of them was, was martyred for the cause of Christ. They went into that situation confident and assured. They went into that time of unprecedented danger under the shadow of the Almighty. Maybe you're thinking, he let them down. No, he didn't let them down. The widows are the ones who ought to speak to that matter, don't you think? For some of their widows went in with the children who had lost their fathers and became the means of taking the gospel of Christ to the men who murdered their husbands and fathers. Today, there's a flourishing church there because of some people who believed in God, the Father Almighty. J.I. Packer, a Canadian theologian who died just last July at the age of 93, said these words, the truth of God's almightiness in creation, providence, and grace is the basis of all our trust, peace, and joy in God. And the same God of all our hopes of answered prayer, present protection, and final salvation it means that neither fate nor the stars nor blind chance nor man's folly nor Satan's malice controls this world. Instead, a morally perfect God runs it and none can dethrone him or thwart his purposes of love. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whenever the beginning of all things was, God had already been. In the beginning, God reminds us he always was. Why do things exist that exist? Because 
God the Father Almighty determined that it should be so. Maybe you've heard the question, where does a 500-pound gorilla sleep? And the answer is, anywhere he wishes. God does what he wishes. He chose to create. That is what we believe. A few years ago, the Science Daily published this item. goes like this. An international team, including Oxford University scientists, had discovered, has discovered six diverse new planets, from shrunken Saturns to bloated hot Jupiters, as well as a rare brown dwarf with 60 times the mass of Jupiter. The article goes on to say, every discovery of an extrasolar planetary system is a new piece in the puzzle of how these systems do form and evolve. And I thought, and I don't want to sound smug, but I know how they were formed. God's hand moved over the abyss. In the beginning, God created do you ever worry about what scientific discovery might do someday to the faith? Hear me today. There is no conflict. Hear my words. There is no conflict, nor has there ever been, between scientific fact and biblical revelation. Now, there has been conflict and ever will be between scientific theory and biblical revelation and where there's a conflict between a new theory and what the Bible has to say, believe the word. In the beginning, God created. Intelligent women and men may expound otherwise, but hear me, they are only theorizing. And a theory is a best guess by very intelligent people, no doubt. A theory is a best guess by those who have already dismissed this option. In the beginning, God created. And yet you hear it over and over and over again. Dr. Jacques Minaud, the French research scientist, he's a biochemist, Nobel Prize winner, and he wrote these words some years ago. Chance alone is at the source of all creation. Pure chance, absolutely free but blind, at the very root of this stupendous edifice of evolution. This central concept of modern biology is no longer one among other possible or even conceivable hypotheses. It is the sole conceivable hypothesis and nothing warrants the supposition or the hope that on this score our position is likely ever to be revised. That's a bit arrogant, don't you think? He is saying that blind chance is the only reason for everything. Today, like never before, we need to stand we need to, to declare, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, 
creator of heaven and earth. And when we do that, out there we may face skepticism at times, even derision. But only, only this book explains the world today. Early on, just three chapters in, the people of God chose. This tells us that the people of God chose independence over dependence, disobedience over obedience. They rejected divine authority and went their own way. Thus, in the world today, we have individual emptiness all around us, social and moral disintegration, ecological troubles abound, a global pandemic has so many today stressed out. But then 12 chapters into this book tells us of a God, a Father God, who comes to disobedient, independent, rebellious man and woman and offers to reconcile. Hear all about it these next weeks as we explore the creed together. What a God. We believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. One of the most famous free thinkers of England was a man by the name of Anthony Collins. He died in the year 1729. He was the author of the well-known book, Discourse on Free Thinking. Collins one day met a poor working man on his way to church, and Collins asked him, Sir, where are you going? The man answered, To church. Collins to him, this man, Is your God a great God or a little God? Collins was attempting to confuse the mind of the poor fellow, but the churchgoer gave him the perfect answer when he said, My God is so great, sir, that the heavens of heavens cannot contain him and so little that he can dwell in my heart. Collins later admitted that this simple but sublime answer of this uneducated man had more effect upon his mind than all the volumes of argument that he had read in favor of Christianity. We Believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth.